You get to create the story of your life. But sometimes we hold on so tightly to the stories that we create that it can impact our mental health. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Varun Gandhi about how to create your life story in a way that serves you, your purpose, and your mental health. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Welcome to the Mental Health and Wealth Show podcast. This is your host, Melanie Lockhart. My journey with money and mental health started in 2012 when I was depressed and anxious about my student loan debt. In 2013, I started my blog, Dear Debt, which chronicled my debt payoff journey and changed my life. I later published my book of the same name about how I paid off $81,000 in student loan debt. It was my time blogging that showed me that I wasn't alone in my mental health struggles around money and that my own mental health impacted how I related to money. My mission now is to help others feel less alone and tackle these difficult topics. As a disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional or a financial professional, and all content on the show should not be considered professional medical or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. If you are in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much for being here, and if you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform, and feel free to share episodes on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockhart. I would love to hear from you. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Varun Gandhi, a life orchestrator, soulpreneur, angel investor, inventor, philanthropist, and a water doctor. He enjoys orchestrating businesses, events, and ideas about the self. He's currently focused on creating a digital course called What's Your Story, which allows you to create your life film, a chart consisting of your memories, experiences, and defining moments that have left an impression on you. Each of these moments have a lesson to be learned. Your My Life film also allows you to create new meaning to your past experiences, create a new future you, and write affirmations that help maintain the new you. I love this. I'm so excited to chat. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate it. This is going to be so fun. I think this is so relevant to mental health and money, and I'm so into storytelling. I actually have a digital product called how to craft your story and get more press. And it was previously a workshop and it was all about how to basically craft your story for an audience to get, you know, featured in press publications because my story about paying off debt has been featured in the New York times and market watch and many different places. So I love the aspect of storytelling. I'm also a previous theater major here. So all about stories. By the way, if anyone wants to check out that um, digital product, they can go to deardebt.com forward slash shop. But I'm so excited to hear your take on stories and storytelling and how we can really use that power to reclaim our mental health and our money. So, you know, you have this new course about what's your story. And I wanted to chat with you about how can stories improve our mental health and also hear a little bit about your own story. That's a great question, Melanie. Uh, Before I go into my own story, though, I do want to do a water ritual that I begin every interview with. Ooh, let's do it. Yeah, essentially this ritual is, I've spoken to quite many people, and essentially everyone that I speak to says that they don't drink enough water. So I want to (laughs) drink 
ritual as a reminder for people to drink more water. Uh, yes. And let's let's take we'll drink a sip of water together, and then I'll share a little bit more about it. So okay. cheers, everyone! Everyone that's cheers. listening, drink let's, drink your water, everyone. I'm doing it right now. Ah, all right. I'm adding that for effect. <laughs> there we go. And you know, take a big sip for everyone that's listening. Uh, you know, you you never know when was the, when the last sip of water you took. So just feel free to refresh yourself. And of course. Uh, I'm sure by the end of this uh, interview, you'll probably take a couple more sips and that'll be a huge win for all of us. So the reason I do this is, you know, I realized I read this one book called Our Bodies, Many Cries for Water. And in the book, it said that, you know, 75% of our body is water. And when we take any kind of medication, the current paradigm is that when we take any kind of medication, it's only treating the 25%, the solid portion of our body. When we're drinking water, we're actually working on 75% of our system. And that's why drinking water can, what this doctor found in his book, that it can treat a lot of many diseases that you don't even need medications for. So just by drinking water, you can prevent a lot of diseases from occurring in your life. And that's why I want to make it my endeavor in life to remind people to drink water. I love that. And it's so simple and practical, yet so hard to do for so many people. But I've actually been drinking a lot more water, I would say probably over the past year or two. And one of the biggest differences I've seen is I have two big glasses of water as soon as I wake up because obviously I've been sleeping for seven to nine hours. I haven't had any water. So I know that my brain is mostly water. And for me to wake up, I need to hydrate my brain and my body before I go to my coffee. And that has been such a great ritual for me. And you know, just think of all the toxins you're flushing out, being able to kind of heal your body, like you said, and, and stay hydrated. And I don't know, I'm sure people have experienced this, but sometimes you get dehydration headaches or, you know, you can just cure a lot of things with water. So I, I love that this is your mission. You know, you mentioned dehydration headaches. Uh, whenever my wife has a headache, I always remind her to drink more water. Drink uh, more water. Yeah. It instantly <laughs> goes away. You know, it's like magic. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like that that's one of the most common causes of headaches is not having enough water in our systems. Totally. Whenever I have a headache, I'm like, have I had enough water? Have I eaten? Did I nap properly or sleep properly? Or what am I stressed about? It's usually definitely one of those. And more often than not, it's like, oh, yeah, I haven't had water in a few hours. Let me do that. And then, yeah, it goes away. Right, right. Uh, so on to my story now. Um, yes. I was going this traditional path. Uh, you know, in a undergraduate degree, then wanting a master's degree and finally saying, you know what, I want to stay in school even longer. Let me get a PhD degree. Uh, and from there, I was going to get a job and marriage and all of that, like the traditional career path. And I got all the way up to my PhD, graduated and started working as a consultant. And about a year into this job, I was very unhappy with the way my career was going. I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. It just wasn't quenching that, uh, you know, that thirst that I had. And so at that point, I also started having these pains in my solar plexus, my stomach region. And every morning I'd wake up and initially it started out with being a small kind of a pain in the background. And then about a couple months into it, it, it was there every morning in my face. Why don't you do something about it? 
And I, it took me about a couple of months to realize that, okay, this pain's not going away. I need to really, you know, find out about it more into it, look more into it. And what I did is, and this was very unconsciously at that time, I sat down with this pain and I would ask it questions. And one of the questions I asked is, what are you doing here? What's the purpose? What message do you have for me? Uh, again, this was very unconscious. I didn't, you know, I wasn't intentionally doing this, but it, it revealed the answer that this career path that I'm currently in is not it for me. There's something greater out there. There's something more out there for me. And it took me a couple of months to convince myself, convince my family that this was the right move, that I'm going to leave this behind, this career that I'd you know, worked so hard for, gone through almost 10 years of college to get this degree. And then a couple of years into it, I'm like, you know, I'm done with this. And so it took a lot of convincing, mainly myself, but also people around me. Finally, I gave in my five-week notice. Usually you're given a two-week notice. This time I'm, I was so happy to leave. I turned in a five-week notice and by Thanksgiving I was out. And the minute I turned in my notice, that pain in my solar plexus just dropped. I felt lighter. I felt instantly so much better that, hey, I have an end in sight and I am just kind of felt freeing, like I'm released out of the cage. That's That was the, the sensations I had, I was going through at that time. So finally, I, I uh, leave that career behind, move back home to Atlanta and figuring out what my next thing is. You know, I left my career without knowing what I wanted to get into. Now, you mentioned you have a theater background. This is when I started delving a little bit into screenwriting. So I picked up this book called Story by Bob McKee. And one of this phenomenal book about screenwriting. And I, I picked it up, started reading this. This was as I was working about a year uh, into that job. I, I was getting curious about it. So I, I bought the book and started reading about it. And that was my first introduction into storytelling. And it gave me an understanding of how movie life is like real life. And so when I was creating or writing a screenplay, I was thinking about how this, you know, how can I make it as real as possible? And the emotions that are come across in the movie have to be real life emotions. So that kind of gave me this idea that stories are not just what's on the screen, but there's something deeper to it, something that's uh, that, that, that has an everyday utility to storytelling. Along the same time, I was also diving deeper into meditation. Uh, now, again, I'm going to go back a little bit. Simultaneously, as I was working at this job in Idaho, uh, this job was actually my, uh, or moving to Idaho was my kind of the moment of diving into the cave or diving into the darkness. Right before, about six months before this job moved to Idaho, I was in Atlanta and I'd gotten out of this relationship that I thought was the one. Uh, you know, she was everything for me and it suddenly just broke apart, fell apart. Uh, mutually, we agreed that it wasn't going to work out for us. So we decided uh, to move on on our own ways. And so I, I was a lot of pain. There was a lot of suffering from that relationship. And, you know, so when I moved to Idaho, it was my way of let me get out of all of this stuff, move far away from it and go into that cave so I can connect deeper with myself. Well, initially of, uh, in my times in Idaho, I was, there was a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. So I was running away from all of that deep, dark work that had to be done. And my running away meant, hey, let me go meet people. Let me go distract myself with all these different things, with 
alcohol, with partying, with, uh, you know, running around and uh, just having as much fun as I can so that it would distract me away from doing this deep, dark work. Well, finally it caught up to me. And my second year there, I was finally realizing like, okay, this is not going away. I have to, you know, I don't want to be unhappy for the rest of my life. I don't want to feel like this for the rest of my life. There's something that has to happen for me to move forward. And at that time, I started uh, diving into spirituality. This was my first kind of move into it. And the fir- one of the first books that I picked up was this book by Deepak Chopra called The Book of Secrets. Well, this book is, was way advanced for me. I was just diving into it. And so I didn't understand 95% of this book. But the 5% that I, that I picked up, one of the things I picked up was meditation. And that kind of word that stuck with me uh, until the, the following year when I made the move back to Atlanta. And when I moved back to Atlanta, I Googled what meditation is and I kind of researched a lot about it saying that, you know what, I want to do this. I want to figure out what this is and find out if this is beneficial for me. So I read a lot about it. And finally, I said, you know what, I'm going to start meditating my own way, not taking any classes or anything. I'll just do it myself. And at this time, I was in this one bedroom or I was in one room. I rented a room, a bedroom in my friend's place. And all of my belongings was in that room. So it was easy to get distracted. But what I did is I said, look, I'm going to sit in the corner face the corner where the walls meet so that everything, all of my belongings are behind me. All of the distractions are behind me. Now, the only thing that remained was my phone, a big distraction. And at this time, the phone was a huge distraction. Initially, I said, you know what, I I need to do something about the phone. And uh, the other thing that was a distraction was, uh, you know, I'll sit down for meditation and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do a five minute meditation. And I'll have this whole process like this is how I'm going to meditate. Everything is uh, settled. And then I sit down. And the question that comes to mind is how much time has it been? And then I, you know, I have to look at the phone and it's only been 30 seconds. So I have to get back to it. And that was another distraction that came my way. So to mitigate that, I said, how about I use the phone? Let me set a timer on my phone and keep it to the side. That way I don't have the question about how much time has elapsed. My phone is keeping track of that, and I can really just be focused on this meditation. So eventually I got to this point where now my phone is even out of the way. It's actually being, I'm utilizing it for my benefit, and now I can just focus on this meditation. And that's how my meditation journey began. This was about uh, eight years ago, and it's, it's been a massive transformation for me meditating. I'll talk more about it as we go further. Essentially, this is how my journey into storytelling began. The meditation was me sitting down with myself and understanding now how these stories are created at every moment of our lives. Uh, And what do I mean by this? You know, let's say we're at a party and this is like an office party. Things are starting starting to open back up now. So we're at this, uh, you know, like let's say a bowling alley where it's a little darker. And you have this coworker who is who's always been that thorn for you, always been that nemesis. And you are at this party together. And uh, the next thing you know, you have his, his drink has fallen on you, on your shirt. And in your mind, you instantly create the story that, hey, this guy has always been out to get me. He did this on purpose. This was not an accident. He meant for this to happen. 
and you run with that story and now you do something, you get angry and you lash out at this coworker. Maybe you're a little drunk and you take it a step further. Well, what actually happened was he may have tripped over himself and accidentally dropped this drink on you, but you don't realize that you don't see it. So this story creation mechanism goes to work and instantly creates the story based on our emotions, based on the way we feel. An analogy here is, you know, we're in the movie theater and we're watching this movie on screen. And as this movie is playing, you know, we're seeing it on the screen. Well, the screen is a tool. There's a projector in the back that's projecting this movie onto the screen. And inside this projector, there's a film. So the film is actually what contains the movie. The projector and the screen are tools to show the film and for us to be able to watch it. Well, the same kind of mechanism goes on in our life constantly. We have a projector and that projector is called the imagination. It's the third eye chakra. And essentially this is the seat of our imagination, what creates those images. It uses is the film that's inside of us. It's using this film, which is our memories, our past experiences, all of this data that we've collected and that we bring with us into this moment. That's everything that's contained on this film. So we use that film, take data from it and feed it to our imagination. And this imagination shoots out all of these different stories instantaneously. Sometimes we, we may not even be aware that it's doing this. You know, it's just so fast and it creates these stories and it throws it out onto the screen in our lives. The screen being, you know, the people in our lives, the places that we go, the experiences, the situations, everything that's going on in our life, those are different screens. And it's our imagination that's instantaneously creating these stories and putting it out onto these different screens in our lives. And that story creation mechanism is constantly, it's always going on and it takes awareness and it takes meditation. At least for me, it took meditation to become aware of the story creation process and the story creation mechanism that's constantly going on. You brought up so many good points and thank you so much for sharing your story and everything that you have gone through to get to this point. And just going back a little bit, I wanted to say that I think it's so awesome that, you know, as soon as you left that physical pain kind of left as well, right? Like you, that pain just evaporated and, I encourage people to go back and listen to the chronic pain and trauma episode because a lot of our pain is telling us something about our current situation or it's stored trauma from the past. And we can learn something from that when we really listen to what's going on with our body. And I love that you really brought that awareness to that situation. And I love all the examples of, you know, how you got into storytelling and the power of stories. And the analogy that I always use is that we really connect with other human beings through the power of story. We're always telling a story about our reality because even our reality is a story we're telling, right? We can't ever really touch reality. It kind of just is. We are the observer of reality and we are telling that reality to other people as we perceive it. 
And that's a story mechanism as well. And I always use the example of, you know, you text your partner and you don't get a response. And what do you start thinking? Your brain might start creating a story about, oh my gosh, maybe they don't love me. Maybe they're ghosting me. Maybe they got into a car accident. And these are kind of the natural inclinations of the mind that we fill in the blank of what we don't see to fill out the story because that's the way we're programmed. And I love the work that you're doing because you're using the power of stories to try to benefit our lives and our mental health. But I wanted to talk about how stories that we tell ourselves sometimes can hold us back. So, you know, you had this story that you were going to get married and get a PhD and be successful and have this certain career. And I think that so many of us, especially in our 20s and early 30s, we have this reckoning with the story that we told ourselves that what would this is going to happen with my life. And then at some point, there's a huge reckoning of, oh, this is going to be a completely different direction. And this happened to me almost five years ago when I um, ended my relationship with my nine-year partner. And honestly, it was the most difficult thing I've had to go through. But kind of like you said, I had a lot of physical symptoms leading up to that point telling me that that was the decision that I had to make. I was getting sick constantly in a variety of different ways. I was drinking far too much. So many things were telling me, like, you have to get out of this relationship. And I wanted to just say, you know, sometimes the body really knows more than the conscious mind. And, you know, it took a long time for me to realize, oh, this is what is going on. And I I ended that relationship. And while that was extremely painful, the most painful part for me actually was reckoning with the story that I told myself that we would be together forever, that we would grow old together. Like that was the most painful part for me is letting go of that story. So, you know, sometimes we cling so tightly to what we think should happen. Like I have to be in this relationship. I have to be in this job. I have to be in this location. I have to be in this career. And then when things fall apart, because they do, it causes us great pain, grief, and disappointment. So how can people manage those stories and kind of like loosen the grip a little bit? You know, one of the things that I didn't mention earlier is I had an inclination that this job wasn't it for me even before I started, even before I got into my PhD, actually. The way it worked out is I was in... I just finished my undergraduate and before my master's program that that summer, I started an internship, a three month internship. During that time, I realized like, hey, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Sitting in this cubicle, looking at Excel sheets, this wasn't it for me. There's something greater out there. And with this notion, I said, I don't want to come back into this field anytime soon. So let me just extend my stay in grad school, go from a master's into a PhD and just be in school for three, four years longer. And then eventually I came back out, I graduated and went back to that same job. Essentially I had to learn the whole mess, uh, learn, uh, you know, learn the whole message again, listen to my body and really tune into my body to get the message this time. And so this was a, you know, that tuning into the body has been essential key for me of understanding what stories am I inclined towards in the sense of, you know, like you said, our our body knows what, what it is and our conscious mind has to, in a way, catch up to what our body is feeling. And, and the same thing happened with me. My body knew exactly 
And it was my conscious mind, took my conscious mind a few months to realize what my body was really telling me. And so in that sense, it's um, really tuning into the body. And then once you start tuning into the body and really listening and, you know, hearing what the body has to say, it, it slows you down, right? It allows you to process things. And during this processing, we are giving ourselves more time to, in a sense, like not cling on to certain things, right? So let's say you have this certain way of life that you want to live and things are not working out for you. Well, the reason things are not working out for you is maybe that there's something greater in there for you. There's a greater life out there for you. And what you're choosing may be a limitation, maybe a you know, limit, limited from the data that you've collected thus far. But it's the universe, but it's something else greater force out there that's telling you, hey, this is not it. And I feel like at this time, you know, one of the keys is acceptance. Accepting that, okay, I am ready for what's in store. Let me not cling on to this. Let me not hold on to what things are, you know, what's what I feel like is the thing that I should pursue. And whatever is there for me, let it come to me. So I, I feel like getting to that point of acceptance, like, hey, it's going to be all right if I let go of this eventuality that I want to manifest and instead allow whatever is in store for me to come my way. Because I feel like, and this has been my experience as well, that I've received greater benefit, greater uh blessings, if you want to call it, when I've just gone with the flow, listened to the universe, the partner that I'm currently with, uh, my wife, I met her just by happenstance. You know, we, we happened to be in the same place and bumped into each other and things just led, one thing led to another. And that's how it started. Essentially, all of my relationships, long-term ones have been in the same way. I've not clung on to something like, hey, I have to go take certain actions, go do these things, meet certain people, uh, go to speed dates, things like that. It, I just allowed it to come to me. I met the person at the place that I wanted to be in, me having fun, and they happened to be there as well. And, you know, the conversation started from there and one thing led to another. And within a few months, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And that was the reason that uh, I was really uh, undergoing a lot of pain and suffering when that relationship broke off because it just, everything just seemed so natural. Like it was, hey, this was the one and all signs led to that point. But then I realized the greater, if I, you know, had I clung on to it, held on to that idea, I would have still been in pain and misery and suffering. But because I let go, because I accepted my new reality that, hey, okay, this relationship is no more. Let me process it. Now it's time to accept it and take the next step. And once I got to that point, I realized that that whole breakup, the reason that it happened was for me to dive deeper into my spirituality, for me to get onto a path that is, that's actually going to make me happy holistically, not just, oh, I'm making a lot of money, but I'm really unhappy in my life. That was my previous life. And now I'm doing everything at the same time, making money, being happy, changing lives, helping people. And this is everything that I uh, you know, wanted for myself, but because I was forcing so much and clinging on to this idea that I had to have lived this traditional life, 
I was undergoing a lot of pain and suffering. Hey there, thanks so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. I wanted you to pause real quick and take a mindful minute. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. And exhale. Take a deep breath again. And exhale. Taking a moment for yourself is so important for your mental health. Now, before we get back to the show, I just wanted to say, if you are enjoying this episode, please review the podcast and share it on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockhart and share your thoughts. It'll really help spread the word about the show and help others with their money and mental health. You can also support this independent podcast and buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. Yeah, our stories are so similar in that, you know, we both had these very pivotal, dark breakups that eventually led us to better partners and relationships and lots of healing. And, you know, I really don't think that I would have done as much self-growth as I did if I had not gone through that breakup. And I remember being so terrified that I don't know if anyone better exists. I don't know if I'll find, you know, another love again. I just don't know. And the partner I'm with now has shown me a love that I did not even know was possible. And I see that all of my pain and suffering was not in vain and that I trusted the unknown. And I think when you're going through something like a breakup, like a divorce, like a death, like a layoff, these big painful moments that feel like they are tearing your life apart, they're tearing the story that you had in your head of what was going to happen, it can feel like the foundation of your whole life has been taken from you. And I just remember when that was happening to me, one of the things that I kept repeating to myself is, I'm going to take all of this rubble and destruction and rebuild in a new way, in the way that I want. And it's so beautiful now, you know, almost five years later to see all the fruits of my labor, all the years of therapy, all the self inner inner work, the the podcast, the books, the spiritual journey that I've been on and to, to see that labor because me five years ago when I was in it, could not imagine where I'm at now. And I think that happens for a lot of people when we're in these painful moments. We're just faced with the unknown. But for people listening, if you are going through a transformation where it feels like the story that I have of my life is breaking apart, maybe that's not your story. Your story can still be written. It can be rewritten. Your story is not over yet. And so many things can happen. And The unknown is quite scary, but like I said, if you think of it from this expansive vision of I can create anything that I want now that all of this is out of my way. And I just also want to say that if you are holding on so tightly and you are clinging and you are trying to manipulate and control the situation to keep things as they are, that thing is not meant for you. What is for you should be easy and seamless and it should not have to be, you know, something that you have to manipulate and control to make it the way that you want. 
Yeah, there's not a lot of friction in that process, right? It should be more like natural for you. Uh, this seems very natural for me, me expressing myself and sharing this story. About six months ago, it was actually very terrifying for me to be in front of a camera, to be, be speaking, you know, at a podcast like this. And for a while, my story was just limited to I'm only an engineer. And once I left that, I have had to learn so many skills as an entrepreneur, you know, web designing, marketing, basically learning ground up on how to run a business and operate a business. Not only that, then creating the product, creating what I'm going to be selling, creating the course. So going through that whole process, like you said, you, anything, whatever you put your mind to, you can achieve that. And I didn't realize that until I'd gotten past that limited role or that limited story of being an engineer and being tied down to that. Once I realized like, hey, the, this whole world is your canvas. You can paint it however you wish to. That changed, that flipped the script for me and changed my whole perspective on life. Now I became a creator. Now I became, okay, how can I improve someone's life by creating something? And I was looking for solutions for different things. And that's how all of these different products and services that I currently offer have come about is by looking for ways to help people and then saying, okay, this solution can help this person and it also help this person. How can I make it so that it can help a lot of people? And that's how a lot of my work has uh, come out of, has been born from. I love that you got out of these kind of traditional roles and decided to explore more of your identity. And I think everyone can, you know, take a lead from that because sometimes we get so stuck in the, I'm an engineer, I'm an artist, I'm a mother, I'm a sibling, I'm, you know, this or that. And we get kind of boxed into these roles thinking that we have to confine ourselves to the best way to behave as part of this role and society and ecosystem. And maybe that's not the best way that's serving you. And one of my favorite quotes is, you know, your life is your masterpiece. And when you think of it as this big, you know, piece of art that you're going to leave, like you want to have so much beauty and joy and experiences, you can really open up so many things and really get creative. And so talking about kind of letting go of these stories that we have and allowing for pain and suffering to happen that can lead to transformation. And also, I just wanted to say that Sometimes when we're going through those experiences, we're like, why is this happening to me? This is so hard. You know, this feels awful. I don't know what's going to happen. Pain and suffering are expected. Like this is the human experience. This is, you know, what we're going through. And if we can use that grief and that opening to our emotions to really access those deepest parts of ourselves, like it's a really great recalibration. Like, after you go through something like that, where you have so much grief and trauma and loss, you really have your priorities straight and can reset everything. So to that point, I wanted to ask you, how can someone rewrite their story to support their mental health? So let's say someone has kind of had a big kind of rift and separation in the story of their life that they thought they would have, but now they're trying to recreate their story to support their mental health and to go on with the next chapter of their life? You know, one way that I've utilized is meditation. So Deepak Chopra has this quote where he says, the best use of imagination is creativity. 
the worst use of imagination is anxiety, essentially meaning that our anxiety is created within our imagination. And meaning we have the power through our stories to reduce or increase our anxiety. And I wish most people choose to reduce their anxiety or not have any, uh, but anxiety is essentially that what's created based on the stories of stress. Like when we keep repeating the stories of stress in our mind, now we're undercoming a lot of anxiety when we have prolonged periods of stress and anxiety, that leads to depression. When we have prolonged periods of depression, now we're you know, acting out and we're having these episodes where we undergo a lot of you know, finding ways to alleviate that, um, the depression and you know, release that energy. So paying attention to what stories we're creating will help us reduce the anxiety that's in our life will reduce the unnecessary stress that's going on in our lives by paying attention to the stories. And instead of creating stories that, you know, bring you down, looking at stories and creating stories by seeing things for the way they are. A lot of the times, the reason we get anxious is because we're adding our own masala to the mix. You know, we're adding our own spices to spice things up, but our life is already spicy enough. We don't need to overload ourselves with extra anxiety and extra stress our way. So by paying attention to what stories we're creating, we can release anxiety from our lives. And when we release the anxiety, uh, you know, stress is kind of a natural part of our lives. It's based on the work, based on things that are going on. We have stress in our lives and that's in a way it's good to have a little bit of stress in your life uh, so that you know we can have progress and forward motion uh, so but not having this anxiety what happens is now you'll have enough recovery time from that stress because you put this anxiety on top of your stress we never have that time to recover and we're constantly going downhill i feel like if we remove the anxiety now we have this space and time to go through a re replenishing of our soul, go through a refreshing of our mind and be able to come back even harder and come back even stronger to whatever it is you choose to do and whatever it is you value in life. Uh, so the stress and anxiety is like a double whammy. And if you're not out of this cycle early on, then it can really, really consume us. And so stepping away from stories that create anxiety. So paying attention to when we're creating this anxiety in our lives and then finding ways to step away from it. Or one thing that I've created is this tool called the My Life Film. And what this is, is essentially we are, you know, that film that's in the projector, we're recreating that film for our individual selves. We're taking all of our experiences from our past and writing that down, cataloging each and every experience at different ages of our group, of our uh, growth. And this is, you know, stories that are defining moments that have caused pain and suffering, but not only those, we also want to document stories that have brought us happiness, that have brought us joy. So we get to see that, hey, life is not all sadness. It has both sides to it without understanding what sadness and depression is, we want to understand what joy is. So we need both of it in our lives. So cataloging each and every 
experience that has uh, that that you could categorize as a defining moment. And then once you do that, then the next step would be to understand how each of these experiences have affected us, have played a role in affecting our perspectives, the way we see life, right? So then going through a certain uh, list of questions for each of these experiences and answering these questions, essentially understanding what insight am I learning from this experience that I went through in the past? You know, uh, if I hadn't gone through that whole painful episode, the whole breakup, I would not have gone through my spirituality journey. I would not have gone through, you know, looking at self-improvement, self-growth. I would still be stuck in that mode of, hey, everything is happy. Everything is hunky-dory and all good. I don't have to, you know, everything, I'm 100% perfect and there's nothing wrong with me. And that was my mentality before I got into that whole painful episode. And so that, you know, I feel like there's a lot of benefit from going through that pain and suffering and then coming out of it by learning how to rewrite and recreate our own stories that support our mental health. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's really about, like you said, listening to our thoughts and kind of how we're annotating our experience. And what I mean by that is, For example, let's say you're really busy with work. Like I've had this experience recently where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have so much work going on. I have like so many deadlines. I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. And I'm kind of working myself up in a way. And it's like, okay, why don't I just acknowledge I have a lot of work and stop there and just focus on trying to get it done and doing my best. But when I think, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. What am I going to do? Then I start spiraling and I'm adding more anxiety and stress to my experience. And so something that I've been working on with my own thoughts is like, how can I add more ease and fun into my life? And yes, I can't get away from stress and deadlines and work and you know, being self-employed is stressful, but I can also try to approach it in a different way and not have my kind of inner self annotating these experiences and just kind of moving through it and going through it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, completely agree. I've, my wife recently had the same issue about, you know, stressing out over, over so many things to do. And I kind of had to go through this whole analogy of, Look, the stress is there, but it's the anxiety that's really, really getting to you. And it's our own anxiety that we create in our own minds by the stories that we're creating around the stressors in our life. And if we can really hone in and come into this moment, like when you are creating the anxiety in that moment, you can become really present. Now you can start affecting yourselves in the moment so you could stop that cycle of anxiety and really make that difference i feel like it it took me a long time to become very present and very aware of how i'm going through something in that moment because a lot of the times it's self-introspection so i go back later on reflect on my day and realize oh i did this oh i did that next time i could do better and as i became aware it became aware of my patterns through self-introspection it got to a point where now I was able to become aware of that pattern in the moment. And once you get to that point, it becomes easier to bring about that ease in your life. Like you said, it was, you know, for me, my whole journey so far in this, this 2022 has been 
hey, let me put myself in front of the camera and become at ease when I'm in front of the camera, interviewing, talking to people. Uh, I had this anxiety inside of myself that, that the stories that I was telling was creating about these situations. And so 2022 has been me putting myself out there. And one of the things that has helped me is, well, actually two things. One is playing affirmations, you know, like having a session, maybe an hour in the morning where I'm playing affirmations in the background and really listening to it and really, you know, taking in those affirmations. Sometimes I have these affirmations playing on in the background while I'm working. If I'm, you know, writing something or doing some work on the computer, I just let it go in the background, let it play, let it program my uh, subconscious mind. So affirmations in sound format has been helpful, but also affirmations in my office space or in my home space, you know, having words of encouragement, something that says, yes, you can, or something that says, express yourself. Like one thing that I have in my office that is right in front of me that says, express yourself. And I put this about six months ago and it's been really, really beneficial for me because I've been expressing myself now more than ever in my life. I love all the things that you brought up with affirmations and kind of getting back to the present moment, which, you know, really brought me back to the concept of mindfulness. And that's something that I got into about a year and a half ago, kind of early-ish in the pandemic. And it's really been beneficial for me to kind of combat stress and anxiety because when I'm in this kind of, oh my gosh, I have so much to do, this and this and this, that's really future focused. But if I go back to the present moment. I'm like, okay, right now in this moment, I have a home with four walls. It's a great temperature. I have the AC. It's 95 degrees today. (laughs) Having a great conversation with you. I'm healthy. Wow. Everything in this moment right now is fine. Yes, the work will be there and I will do that later. But right now I'm okay. And I think really getting back to that practice of like bringing yourself back to the present moment and realizing everything right now is fine because so much depression and anxiety is focusing on the past or obsessing about the future. And I'm guilty of that as well. And so many of us are. So mindfulness can be such a wonderful practice to be like, okay, right now I am fine and I will do that. And I wanted to talk to you about money as well, because money has, you know, so much implications in our life and our business. And a lot of us carry money stories that don't necessarily serve us. You know, we get these money stories from culture, from capitalism, from our family, from friends, from where we grew up. And sometimes they don't serve us. I know some of the stories that I had to get rid of before paying off $81,000 in debt, you know, I had to get rid of this thought that, only um, rich people were greedy and only greedy people liked money and that, you know, student loans were the good debt. I had to get rid of all of these stories because they were preventing me from actually making decent money and actually having the, the will and the power to pay off debt. And I realized these were stories that I inherited from my family, from my friends that I just kind of thought of, but I had to rewrite that. So if someone's money story isn't serving them, what steps can they take to reimagine a new one? That's a great question. I feel like I, I was also in the same boat of, you know, that rich people are greedy. And because of that, I I don't have to be rich because I don't want to be a greedy person. Uh, and that has prevented me from earning my wealth. And so one of the ways that I have utilized is writing down my story. 
right? So depending on how aware we are of our current story, we may be aware that, hey, there's something, there's a limitation there, but I don't know what that limitation is. So now finding ways to bring that out, like what is that incident, set of incidences that happened in my life around my money? Is there something that I can you know, point to where the reason I want to have this experience or write down a couple sets of experiences that have happened to us is once we write down, now our conscious mind is catching up to what our body already knows. When your conscious mind catches up, now you have the power to rewrite that story, consciously recreate that story. And so when we understand what insights we're gaining from each of these experiences in our past, we can then sit down and say, okay, these things are no longer empowering me. These things are no longer benefiting me. These things are no longer taking me in the direction that I want to walk in. So let me recreate the story. Let me write down a new story of what do I want my future to look like? What do I want to manifest for myself? How am I going to get there? Meaning what um, medium are you going to use to achieve that wealth? Having these written down on paper, writing it down on paper is key because whatever I've written down on paper has manifested thus far. And what's not manifested means it's not happened yet. It's going to come in the future. It's not the right time for it. But writing down the story has helped me a lot to understand, one, where am I coming from? What's my story that I'm creating? Like it's a way for me to process myself like journaling. But then not only that, it's also a way to write down what story you want to create, maybe even converting those into affirmations that you could carry with you on a, you know, write it down on a piece of paper, read it out in the morning to yourself, read it out right before you go to bed. But having that in front of you and constantly reminding yourself what that new story is, it's not going to, the change is not going to be overnight. It takes 30 days. It takes 60 days to slowly start shifting that story into abundance. So having a, you know, multi-pronged approach, playing affirmations in the background, uh, maybe having a session for that, or even just having it on in the background continuously. Uh, visualization. So once you've created this story, once you've created the new story, let's visualize that. What does that look like? Oh, I want to be a coach. Okay. So visualize you helping out people and coaching people in, in that specific way that you want to help them. Visualize, you know, having all of these clients that you're helping on a constant basis. Visualize workshops that you're putting together, events that you're uh, speaking at. So having these kind of uh, impressions and constantly imprinting our subconscious in multiple different ways. So sound is a tool. Video is another tool. So we can watch YouTube videos, utilize that for programming. Words are a powerful tool. So having these affirmations around us, constantly reminding us, writing things down. Uh, so these are certain tools that I've used in my life that have helped me transform my story from scarcity to abundance. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, I just want to encourage people listening. You know, it really does take a lot of work to transform your thoughts. And 
it is very unrealistic to think that you will go from, I think money is evil and people are greedy if they're rich, to I love money and I attract abundance. And so I want to encourage people to kind of try to just move towards a neutral thought. And what I mean by that is instead of thinking money is evil, think money is a tool. That way you're not saying that you love it, that you think it's the best thing ever, because that's not going to feel realistic to you right now if your thought is money is evil. So start with money is a tool and go from there. So try to see if you can pick neutral thoughts that can kind of help you transform and bridge the gap from where you are to where you want to be to help shift in your money story. So I wanted to end the interview with a question about, you know, When things go south in our life, you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier, it's really hard to understand why it's happening in the moment. And, you know, it feels cruel and painful. And how can we zoom out in these moments and see the bigger picture without falling into despair? So that's a great question. What I would say is, uh, you know, I was recently watching this soccer game where one team was down, you know, there's a couple goals were scored against them. And they were really reeling. And what they started doing is they started holding the ball, keeping possession of the ball and slowing things down. Because in that fast-paced environment, a lot of things happened in quick succession and they weren't able to catch up to it. And they realized, hey, we need to slow things down. Let's take a step back, rewrite the script, and then come back to the table. And I feel like the same thing can happen in our lives. When things go south, a lot of things are happening all at one time. We're not being able to process what's going on. It can feel cruel, painful. And at this time, if we can really sit with ourselves and, you know, not try not to get into it, get into all of those emotions, get into, you know, all of those uh, feelings of anxiety and the stress and the pain and the suffering and, you know, diving into that and going that route. If we can take a step back and in a way disconnect ourselves from that, right? This is not disconnecting it uh, for the rest of your life. We're just zooming out. We're really, uh, you know, not getting involved and not getting attached to that, uh, whatever is going on in our lives, those experiences and those situations. Uh, And this slowing down, will give us the space and the time to process the things that are going on, to not allow it to, you know, put us down, not allow it to get us into despair. And yeah, if we can get to that point of just let's slow things down. I think that uh, that's helped me in my life. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the more we talk about these experiences, the more we realize that These are very normal experiences that happen to basically everyone. We've all had a moment of reckoning in our relationships, in our careers, dealing with death of family and and loved ones and lots of twists and turns. And, you know, I'm all about breaking the taboo on this podcast because the more we talk about these experiences, the more we realize that these are so normal and that most people go through them and that it's nothing to be ashamed about. And, you know, something that I've been trying to do myself with dealing with experiences that I deem quote bad, I try to think, 
you know, there are really just things that happen and things that don't happen. And I'm the one that ascribes them to be, quote, good or bad. And when I'm experiencing something that I am perceiving to be bad, I can just say, you know, this is something that's happening. I don't like it. But the more I resist and complain and yell and feel frustrated, the more drama I'm adding to the situation, what can I do to just try to get through this and manage myself and my nervous system to to move through it with ease and clarity? Uh, one thing that I've utilized in my life is uh, breathing, uh, you know, specifically the pranayama kind of breathing techniques where we are holding certain kind of hand mudras, hand positions that allow us to move the breath into certain parts of our body. This is one exercise that has helped me when I'm getting into that moments of extreme stress and extreme anxiety and everything is really catching up to me at this point, I go to uh, breathing. And this also helps me to slow things down. You know, as I control my breath, I try to slow my breath down as well. Uh, and so this um, you know, breath work, and especially in the morning, I've created a ritual with it as well, where I do a 15-minute exercise of chanting OM along with chanting OM 21 times and along with uh, breathing into specific parts of the body to release, you know, any blockages, blockages in that area to release any pain in that area and to move things around in the body. That way I'm flowing into the day as opposed to, you know, really moving with friction or not having that ease and comfort into my day. Love that. Yes, I'm a huge fan of breath work and I've been getting into it more myself, especially, you know, feeling the power of that deep inhale and deep exhale and really activating that parasympathetic nervous system to calm yourself down. It's really quite magical when you get into it. So thank you for bringing that up. And thank you so much for sharing your story and all of your expertise and tips. If people wanted to work with you and follow you, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Dr. Varun Gandhi and also my website, drvarungandhi.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Melanie. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate what you're doing with this podcast and your platform. Uh, thank you so much for changing people's lives and for having me on here. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.